Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. about the you know the way that cinema reflects the time and mm. you know it would be interesting to see this period and it's also interesting um and actually this comes up in one of the films we're going to review tonight about the way in which technology has affected storytelling in a very mm. literal in a very kind of literal sense because yeah. the devices and by which I mean the sort of techniques that filmmakers and storytellers would have used, they now mm. have, to, if they want to make a film or tell a story in the modern age, they have to obviously inc- incorporate technology, yeah. which throws up loads of obstacles because it's mm. like, you know, for example, we're, we're going to be doing a couple of horror films in this, mm. uh, in this yeah. episode that horror is one of those things where everyone watching it just goes, oh, well, I would just do this. And if you've got, like, a mobile phone, you yeah. kind of go, well, yeah, you, you kind of would have got away like, yeah. out, out of that trouble situation I know. I know. <laughs> quite I know. easily. I know. It's a bit, almost being too wise, though, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's... I mean, as critics, we're, we're there to, to sort of analyse things a bit a bit more closely and think, oh, right, how well does that hold together? But it can go to another extreme, though, can't it, as well? You know, and that's what's interesting about it. But I've, you know, I've always been very um, ambivalent about new technology and the way films are made because special effects are there to enhance the story but not dominate it. And that's always been my my bugbear about about effects and, and technology in films. Yeah, it's interesting the way that that is also a really 
impacting the industry that we're seeing because funny enough the the quality of the films that we're watching and reviewing tonight especially mm. the shorts has really gone up like because yeah. i've been doing this now for about 10 years in terms of doing the indie film reviews yeah. and the standard is so high now of short films and the slickness of the production mm. and you know it before you really could tell if someone was an amateur filmmaker yeah. like now i'm like this looks like it was made by like you know scorsese or something yeah i know well you see the thing is now they they don't look like indie films anymore you know we all we all have an understanding of what we mean by indie by an indie band or an indie film that it's very rough and ready it's basic it's raw but it's got something going for it but it they're even what we would call indie films now are becoming very polished, I think. Yeah, I Which think is, that's the, it's becoming difficult you know, to know, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like when you see something so polished that you're like, yeah. well, the, the reason why they weren't polished before was because they were independent of the studios who had yeah. all the money who were making them look slick. Yeah. But now anyone can make a film look pretty slick if they've yeah. got access to the internet. And um, yeah. yeah, but funny enough, I mentioned Scorsese and he is where we're going to kick off the episode oh, right. in just a second. But if this is your first time, to UK Film Club. Just want to say a quick hello and welcome. Um, If you are new to the format, the way it works is Brian, my lovely assistant, um, (laughs) is uh, going to uh, (laughs) be reviewing the films at the cinema. Um, Then we're going to do a streaming pick. So that's a, a film that is on a streaming platform. Followed by that will be our reviews of some indie films. Now, these are films that people have specifically sent us to review. They've actually asked us to review these ones. Um, And then we finish up with a film called The Nostalgia Pick. Now, The Nostalgia Pick is one where it's from... We're not really setting a firm rule, but it has to be at least, say, 10, 15 years Mm. old Mm -hmm. or more. Um, And as this is our October episode, we are going to be doing a horror film. Um, Yeah. <laughs> but before that, um, we're going to get to Scorsese's latest film. And I'm going to read the IMDb title on this because, as Brian knows, I keep getting the title of this completely <laughs> wrong. Easy um, done. Easy done. It's not <laughs> Killer Flowers of the Moon. Um, Close. Or, yeah, or Flower Moons of the Killers. It is Killers of the Flower Moon. Over to you, Brian. That's the one. That's the chappy. Yeah. Okay, then. So this is the much anticipated new film directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, and Lily Gladstone. So what's the story? Well, it's about Ernest Burkhart, returns home from the First World War and joins his uncle, William King Hale. His uncle assumes the role of benefactor to a native Red Indian tribe known as the Osage. He ingratiates himself and learns to speak their language, but has a secret agenda. To gain control of the of the tribe's wealth, Howe encourages Ernest to get friendly with Molly Kyle, an Asaji whose family owns most of the oil land rights. A romance eventually develops, and they are married. So it's a good film, a very good film. It's Scorsese, it's De Niro, it's DiCaprio. That might be all you need to know, but I'm not sure why it's won so many plaudits. The length of this film just drains the energy. Um, It's three and a half hours long. To watch this film at the cinema, you need to block out the best part of the day. (laughs) You do. I mean, you you include the trailers. You're talking about four hours. 
sitting still right now it's interesting because some slots offer you a 15 minute break in between i didn't go for that because i thought i don't want to be there for another 15 minutes even if i do get the chance the chance to stretch my legs but i think it is a major issue um the film's beautiful to look at scorsese puts poetry on screen just like coppola does the storyline's fairly predictable you know what's happening and why but honestly I can think of at least five Scorsese movies that are better than this. But it is very good because it's got that brand. It's got that mark of quality that we always uh, refer to, don't we? That that reference point, Scorsese, Coppola, Spielberg. And I think we need to add Christopher Nolan to that list now. That have that mark of quality, you know it's going to be good, but not one of his best, in my opinion. Wow. I mean... Because I've been hearing a lot of hyperbole when it comes to this film, mm. a lot of sort of big, big quotes. Um, but when I, I sort of watched the trailer and stuff, I'm like, okay, I get it. You know, it looks like a Scorsese film. Mm. Um, but the plot of it felt it was riffing on some films <laughs> that have been done before. Um, yeah, yeah. And... Uh, yeah, the length did concern me. What was the film he did uh, with the aging thing? We aged uh, Robert De Niro. Oh, oh, the Irishman. The Irishman. Yeah. I was watching that. I did that in one go. I say one yeah. go. I did it with pauses. I did. I, as in, yeah. I didn't do my over a couple of nights. I, I had to pause a couple of times, but I did do it all in one sitting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I did. You know, he is a very very good filmmaker like he oh, of course just, is yeah no it's, question it's it's pure cinema um but i do find it funny with these films that are coming out of late that do seem to be pushing this very very uh long time frames to go almost as a what was almost to sort of compete with the marvel films the films that he is so yeah. against when yeah. he does his promos yeah. Yeah, yeah, um yeah. yeah it's almost to go look you know we can make cinema long if that's what you want it's like well that isn't really what people want with the superhero stuff it's just it just happens to be long i think because they're often trying to do a whole comic book which is like a long story into one film whereas if you're making a story specifically for film you can make it two hours like that's you can tell it in two hours do you feel this film could have been told in two hours yeah easily (laughs) easily no question you could you could lop over an hour of this film Easy, without a shadow of a doubt, you know, if you've been a bit more ruthless with the editing, it could have been an even better film. You know, as as I say, not one of his best. Uh, look, let's give you a comparison. You compare it to Goodfellas. That was that. Now that, that was on Saturday night. I came in quite late, and I came there. Been on for about twenty minutes, and I, I sat there and watched the whole thing again <laughs> for the two hundredth time. But that's only two and a quarter hours, Chris. Right. And it shows you can tell a very complex, engrossing story in in literally a fraction of the time, and it's just you just don't need it. You really don't. You know the what I think was interesting is when the uh, the Irishman was, was released, in, interviewers were very careful about raising the subject with De Niro, but he, he softened up and he said, oh, "Okay, yeah, it's all right. If you want to sort of leave the film for." half an hour to stop it, then go back to it. That's all right. He, he didn't mind, but it took a long while to sort of even bring the likes of Scorsese and De Niro around to the idea that maybe this is a little bit too long and maybe it borders on self-indulgence. But I thought it was sort of like, you yeah. don't want it to become an endurance test of yeah, like, can you, 
can you put up with a film for that long? Because not being funny, I have needs. I have I have <laughs> toilet needs that you know I have to go. I, I, I've yeah. had this before. I've been in films before. Where yeah. I've needed the toilet, and all that's happened is I've not focused anything on the film. I'm just yeah. thinking about how can I get out of here? How can I go to the yeah. zoo? Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm in so much pain. And you don't <laughs> want to. You know, and I think you know that's yeah. important for for people to know, especially. Um, Filmmakers that are doing this regularly, like I understand if maybe you've got that one film where you're just like, look, do you know what? It just wasn't possible to cut it down. But mm. he's doing this on the reg now, and you've yeah, got. And when because we you mentioned Nolan um, with yeah. Oppenheimer, that was another long one, right? Oppenheimer was like that was only three hours. Only <laughs> only three hours, mind you. Be fair. Did you, did you feel that that could have lost an hour as well? Strangely enough, no. I, I think maybe half an hour for Oppenheimer. I mean, I, I still think with Oppenheimer, they 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 kind of they kind of condense two separate stories there, and I still think that. Hmm. But I think they that probably that was probably two and a half hours, you know, because they're trying to cram so much in. But you see, um, Killers of the Flower Moon doesn't justify that amount of screen time, right? It's not necessary to commit that much screen time. Uh, you need to justify, justify it, explain why it needs that amount of time, airtime. It's just not necessary, and it and it harms the film because it is a lovely film to look at. I mean, the the storyline in Killers of the Flower Moon isn't particularly involving or challenging in any way. It's not constantly, uh, it's not constantly going off at tangents that keeps you awake. It doesn't. You know what the story is within ten or fifteen minutes. You know exactly what's going to happen. You know what the, what's driving the main characters, what their motivation is, right? So you don't need need any further explanation. But you know, it, it's still a good film, but it's just so annoying because you can't concentrate for that amount of time. Really, most some people can, but most people can't. Well. There we go. We'll find out. Anyone that's seen it, do let us know what you thought. Um, I know, obviously, we've focused quite a lot on the runtime, but I do think, as I said, you know when Scorsese's making a film, everyone's going to watch it, because it's just, he he knows what he's doing. Yeah, Um, he does, absolutely. Well, one of the all-time great directors. And and he's still still good. It's not like he's kind of lost interest and he's going through the motions. You can see how much care and attention goes into every single frame, which is the sign of a great director. There we go. Um, so that's Killers of the Flower Moon. Hmm. Um, I just had to double check that I said that right. Yeah, Again. I know. You were, caref- <laughs> you, were, you were sort of very carefully sort of going, Killers of the Flower Moon, yeah. Yes. Well, well um, done. And onto a film that's half the length of that, which is um, <laughs> yeah. The Great Escaper, starring yeah. Michael Caine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, okay. So directed by Oliver Parker, starring Michael Caine and Glenda Jackson. Based on a true story, uh, D-Day veteran Bernie Jordan lives in a retirement home with his wife, Rini. The 70th anniversary of the Normandy landings is fast approaching. Annoyingly, Bernie leaves it too late to register for the official tour party. Undeterred, he decides to make his own way over. Care staff smell a rat, but Rini playfully covers for their errant resident. Walking frame in hand, he boards across the border ferry and is befriended by Arthur, an ex-RAF pilot. They discover common ground as demons from the war continue to haunt them. Bernie and Arthur are introduced to German veterans with whom they share memories of D-Day. The realisation soon dawns that language is all that separates them. 
The grand ceremony is about to begin, and Arthur has secured front row seats. However, Bernie's pilgrimage is not yet complete. This this is a beautiful film. It's a wonderful film. Payne and Jackson are outstanding in their respective roles and make a convincing couple in their sunset years. There's real truth in the portrayal of two people who've lived a happy and fulfilling life. But like so many of their generation are trapped by memories of a lost youth. Vivid flashbacks to the war are brilliantly captured with super sharp editing. William Ivory's excellent script crackles with pathos and gentle humour. What remains is a thoughtful account of how the elderly can be marginalised when they should be embraced for their knowledge and wisdom. It's a film we should all cherish and admire. I gave this film five stars, Chris. Um, Just to put that rating in some context, I've written nearly 200 film reviews now, (laughs) and I've awarded five stars on only seven occasions. So that's about 3%. That's how highly I rate this film. That is incredible. I mean, yeah. what just to put it into immediate perspective, what would you give uh, the Scorsese film? I'd give it four. I would give it four. So there you yeah. go. I mean, that is because I've watched the uh, the trailer for this one, and I thought, oh, this looks like up, up my street. I like these sort mm. of films. Um, yeah. But to hear, yeah, you know, and I, I know you give it five stars. It made me think this is a must see. It doesn't yeah. feel like a must see when you kind of no. look at it on from the outside. You kind of think, oh, no. okay, it's a you know twee kind of thing coming along but yeah. actually for it to be a must-see i love it yeah it's it's very understated the the publicity that that's that drove the the release of the film wasn't quite as well it's never going to be anything approaching oppenheimer or killers of the flower moon or mission impossible it's not that kind of film but it deserves the same kind of attention hmm. because you gain so much from it and the it's so sensitive. They're taking so much care over what the subject they're dealing with because it's not just dealing with the war. It's dealing with the way we see the elderly, the way they can be neglected and overlooked. You know, it, it was almost sad watching Michael Caine and Glenda Jackson on screen. They were well into their 80s when the film was made. They looked so frail and vulnerable. But that's the curse of actors who've had long careers. You see them ageing on screen. And, of course, Glenda Jackson died shortly after the film was finished. But there's something beautiful about it, the way it's written, the way it's acted. Very sensitively done, but it is a fantastic film and one of the films of the year for me. Wow. It's great. That is huge. Is is Kane finished um, acting now? Well, now that, that... Yeah, there's a question because... Uh, he said at one point, no, I'm, I've not finished acting yet. He, he, he was, was apparently working on a new film about Charles Darwin. But then later reports confirmed that he'd retired. I think the issue he's got is at the age of 90, uh, there are probably fewer roles that would suit him now. He's not, I mean, The Great Escaper is probably the, the last leading role he would get, even if he chose to carry on acting. Hmm. But after 160 films, what is there left to do? really in that way but I'd like him to carry on but you know because I used to think there were no rules in acting that you could carry on for as long as you want to well maybe he just doesn't want to anymore it must be difficult at, at that age mm. so to, to master a script um, do all the promotional work it must be grueling even for someone half his age but you know you know I, I think Michael Caine's one of the greatest actors ever Anyway, oh. so maybe I'm a bit biased when I talk about Michael Caine. 
No, he is an absolute legend. And I yeah. think, you know, for this to be out in the cinemas, if you're listening to this right now, um, that people should go see it. Because like you say, it wasn't overly promoted. Not many people probably even knew about it. No, and no. for it to have the title, The Great Escaper, is probably yeah. going to be confusing to some people anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, well, play yeah. The... yeah. But, you know, I, yeah. I mean, it's basically a, a true... A true story as well, and the the title for the for the film actually came from a news report. I, I think a, a local reporter called it the Great Escaper, but yeah. it, in a way, it's a good title for the film because it 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 gives some familiarity. It's a trigger for people, isn't it? Yeah, you know. But it, it's a film about war, but it's not a war film necessarily. So you know, it's but yeah, it's, I, I can't offer a, a greater recommendation than please go and see it. You know. There and it's still on it's still i mean at the time of us recording this episode it's it's still running and if you're in the future hi again it's always yeah, nice hi, talking hello. to people in the future yeah um do check it out wherever you can find it because it's mm. probably available somewhere um unless something terrible has happened in which case try and send us a message if you yeah, can let us know. know what happens yeah um because i'm not watching the news anymore um <laughs> yeah. you've given up haven't you? i've given yeah. up it's um, quite sensible we're moving on from the cinema films now because we have got a lot of indies to get through. But oh, before yeah. we get there, as it is the scariest month of the year, although mm. I think I think January should be the scariest, to be honest. So, um, January is the most expensive month of the year. That's when you've got to pay for it, Christmas, isn't it? You've got to pay for everything yeah. and you've got to oh, face yeah. that horrible weather. But oh, no, yeah. October is where we get our scary movies in. Mm. And for this month's streaming pick, we decided to go with a fairly... Uh, probably unknown um hmm. horror film which landed on netflix can you guess what date friday the 13th <laughs> of, of october could it be any other time though really? well, yeah. yeah you had yeah. to didn't you yeah um it's a swedish horror film from patrick eckland uh called well it's called Conferencen, which is the mm. Swedish name, but it's called The Conference if you're looking for it on Netflix. Uh, they've mm. gone with the English title there. Um, you've seen this, Brian? I've seen it, yes. Yes. Now, I often get to pick these films. I'm the one that chooses them. And I was quite happy to find something that was bordering in the horror comedy genre. Mm. Um, no, it is quite funny in places. It is funny. Um, yeah. And... I think you know, to give the setup first off, you've got this uh, company of people who are going on a team building uh, conference in these sort of cabins in the woods, mm. and it becomes quite clear that their plans to open this shopping mall in the area are f- surrounded by drama and some obviously negativity from some people and positivity from others there's also uh, a few rifts within the group um mm. because it looks as if there's some corruption going on and xyz mm. um but once they get to the the, the cabin they start doing some of the t- team building activities but all hell breaks loose because yeah. someone has turned up and is going to start picking them off one by one mm. um and this just leads slightly back into what i was saying earlier about filmmakers having to contrive reasons for why people don't have their phones and this one worked quite yeah. well because I know. a team building yeah. thing they are quite yeah. keen on like look do you know what you can't have your phone because yeah. we're, all, I know. we're all here was, to connect yeah. that's right yeah but you know that that's that's good. I like films that kind of fill in the obvious gaps, credibility gaps, if you like, and they do that here. You know, and I think that's really important because I should. I don't think as uh, as 
a movie audience, we shouldn't have to suspend our disbelief all the time. We should be able to say, well, that wouldn't have happened. But you see, what I think is good about this film, Chris, is that um, it's uh, it's something that we we kind of understand. People on a team building exercise or on an away day or whatever you want to call it, we've all been on those sort of days, haven't we? Mm. When we're with people we don't necessarily want to be with, doing things we don't really feel like doing, but know where we have to. It's a corporate thing. And I like that kind of approach because it assumes that there'll be some understanding in the, from the audience that they, they know what this setup is like. But of course, what comes next is something totally different. But I think it was great. I really enjoyed it. You know, I'm not a huge fan of horror, but this one I think was bang on the money. I think it was really good. That I think for me, the crucial element with horror is first off, yeah, it would is it believable? Because mm. quite a lot of the time, it's just ism. And secondly, is that is it taking itself too seriously? Because that I think sometimes if it's not fun, like there's yeah. a lot of horror films where they are just going for the gore. Yeah, I know. Like, that's right. Like it's fine, but no one's enjoying themselves here. Like, yeah. fair enough, you you come up with all this horrible violence, but yeah. who's going to come away and want to watch that again? Whereas with the mm. conference, the setup was believable i totally understood why they were there why they because often that's a problem like why would you shut yourself off from the world yeah it's like kind of part of the point is that you you need to be and then like i say they take their phones away because they don't want people chatting and then that Mm. box of phones gets uh taken um and also the kills in this are very creative they're really really Uh, yeah like even at times i was i was wincing but i was yeah, I laughing at the same I know. time I know. Uh, I know. there was yeah. one involving a hot tub which i won't <laughs> spoil but that yeah, was yeah. just i was like oh my god <laughs> um but yeah. yeah no it was really really clever lots of lots of great ways of um making it feel threatening there's lots of peril you do <clears> genuinely sort of care oh because you know, it's also you've got a completely mixed bag of characters. Yeah. It's not like, you know, oh, it's all the teens at the cabin in the woods. Yeah. It's like, no, there's there's like people of all ages. Um, they're all part of this group. And some mm. are kind of quite cynical and some are like, yeah. like money-hungry, yuckies kind of people. And yeah, you've got lots going on. There's lots of things to root for. Yeah. There's lots of things to sort of condemn. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, strong characters, a strong storyline as well. I like the narrative because... Mm. With horror movies, they often don't, they're not overly concerned with the plot, are they really? But it's a strong narrative. Um, you know, there's that kind of um, environmental dimension because they're building this shopping mall, aren't they? And they're, yeah. they're plowing through the local, the local environment. Property rights are being affected. So, you know, they're making enemies by what they're doing. It's a corporate thing, but they're making enemies because of their, their work, because of what they're doing. So they, they become vulnerable being where they are because there is this this person who's seeking revenge and there's a very good backstory there that gradually unfolds oh i'd say what i also like about it is that they make you wait you know it's like half an hour before anything really happens but you're getting to know the characters a little bit but they don't sort of you know what's coming you know what to expect but they make you wait for a little while they build up the tension you know, there, there's a scene very early in the film where the chef goes off on a drive in the woods, doesn't he? Yeah. And he gets out of his car and straight away. You think, oh, this is where it's going to stop. But it doesn't. Then it switches back to the main the main sort of storyline, the back to the camp. And I like that because it's not kind of being too obvious. And it's keeping you on your toes as a viewer. 
you know. And um, yeah, there's some nice comedic touches there as well. I like I like it when I liked it when the um, when the manager of the the camp said to the the caretaker, "Go and fix the Wi-Fi," and he goes off and he pulls the Wi-Fi out of the root the plug out of the router and plugs it back in again. Yeah, <laughs> that's fixed the Wi-Fi. Yeah. But, you know, there's lots of nice touches like that. But I could honestly see this becoming, uh, for horror fans, it will appear in horror fans' top 10 movies. I think it is that good. I really do. It's good stuff. Oh, there you go. And like I said, I think even though it came out on Friday the 13th, it, I struggled to see it on my Netflix. So I had to look for it specifically. So if mm. you have, yeah, if you can't see it, um, the conference, it's worth mm. checking out. And yep. I think it is a, a Netflix, like, original like they they're certainly the people behind it so it yeah. should be on there for quite a while it's a, co- it's a co-production i think isn't it yeah so if you're listening to this in in 2029 then you know hopefully it's yeah. still on there yeah. um and it's if so, so i hope i'm still around that'd be great um, <laughs> yeah let, uh, let, yeah let's be positive yeah. yeah let me know just send me a message to say chris he's still around if i'm not then maybe leave it um <laughs> So that was the conference, and that was our streaming pick of the month. Um, mm. I hope you enjoyed that. Now, we're moving on to our indies, and we have got a record-breaking uh, six to review. Is that mm. right? One, two, yeah, three, six. Four. Yeah, yeah oh, six to review. Um, and we're going to start with a, a documentary from Alex Perry oh. called Angle. Since I was a young kid, I always wanted to do something great. He was one of the best conditioned athletes in the world. Kurt Angle went and trained at Fox. He was determined to be Olympic champion. It was the proudest moment of my life. What am I going to do now? Oh, it's true! It's damn true! He had great chemistry with anybody he stepped foot in the ring with. That's how good he was. The irony of the success and the bright light is going to be very alluring. But then there's a dark side. Four breaks in two and a half years. I just wanted to keep going until... I couldn't go any longer. This Olympic gold medalist, I mean, you think he's bulletproof, but nobody is. I was so out of control. Makes my story look very lame. And now this is about the wrestler, Kurt Angle. Did you know Kurt Angle before you came to this documentary, Brian? No, I've never heard of him. So this will be interesting because... I was a massive wrestling fan at the oh. time of when he was popular. Oh, really? Sort of, sort of just before, really, when yeah. the, the Rock and the Undertaker and people like that. He yeah. came kind of slightly after it, but oh. yeah, I very much he was in the thick of it when I was watching wrestling. So I oh, did know. Right. And when I saw the review go up, I was like, "Oh, Angle, what's that then?" Yeah. And I looked and I thought, "That's Kurt Angle." And I thought, "Oh, hold on, we've got a <laughs> documentary about someone that I genuinely know because oh. um, the, he." Was and you know going into the territory of the, the film, um, he was actually an Olympic wrestler to begin with, yeah. and then, then he yep. went into the the main kind of WWE w, stuff, w, yeah, yeah, um, and that was his whole thing was about being this Olympic wrestler. So when I heard there's this documentary, I was like, actually, I bet that's a fascinating story. So mm. I'll I'll kick off because obviously you you didn't know who he was, Brian. No, right? you know, no, um, I'm, I'm a sports fan, right? But I'm be honest, I only watch wrestling when it's in the Olympics. But I still hadn't heard of him, even though he was an Olympic gold medalist. So, you know, yeah, back in the nineties, was it? So the so Kurt Angle in the the documentary follows him pretty much through his whole life up to yeah. up to now. Um, he yeah. we we find out about his home life. Uh, one of three brothers, I think, and he had a sister. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
he talks about his father being a, an alcoholic, but mm. who would hide it quite well and who would sort of not drink for the kids. Um, he dies. His, his father dies in a mm. tragic accident at work. And then we during all this time, he's also training to be uh, a wrestler, an Olympic wrestler. He's very good at sports. All the brothers are. Yeah. Um, but he shows a particular sort of penchant for uh, wrestling and ends up, going very far with it as we as we've yeah. mentioned he becomes um the olympic champion uh, not after you know a small amount of amazing work he he goes through yeah. loads of stuff uh, loads of um injuries lots of yeah. things that he you know he, personal he breaks, problems yeah. he breaks his neck and he ends well, up still wrestling like numerous times and yeah. it's like, what <laughs> honestly chris i couldn't believe how many times he broke his neck and carried on wrestling? I thought a broken neck was a one-time thing. I thought that was okay. Well, you're dead, aren't you? <laughs> um, but no, not for Kurt Angle. He just keeps wrestling. Uh, well, I mean, uh, I, I've, yeah, I found this absolutely fascinating. You know, but I probably enjoyed the the first part of the film more than the second part because the first part of the film was building up to the Olympics and you know the trials and tribulations he had and he lost a very close friend didn't he mm. uh, and his father died but in the olympic trials it, he he fell awkwardly on, on his on his neck and this wasn't wwe this is really strict amateur wrestling where they they adhere to sort of very strict rules don't they and he landed on his neck and broke four vertebrae uh which were pre- pressing into his spinal cord now one more blow one more Heavy blow to the neck could have killed him, could have paralysed him, and he, he admitted that in the film, didn't he? That he, he said one more hit, it could it could have been the end. That to me just shows that elite athletes are are a different animal to to the rest of us. They think in a completely different way. This is a competitive edge coming out, and that's beyond my comprehension. I don't know about you. I mean, just to understand what drives somebody like that. Yeah, I yeah. think that was uh, quite a powerful part of the the yeah. film is because often when you see biopics about sports people, they're sometimes they're not involved, like they're not actually even in the the film. But yeah. Kurt Angle is very much in this, like he's yeah. narrating a lot of it, so mm. you are getting it directly from yeah. him in terms of yeah. what he did and what happened. Um, and like talking about one of the training things was he would put someone on his back and run up a hill <laughs> numerous just, times. Yeah. And I, just, I thought just listening to you say that makes me tired. I, I know. Like, I'm, I've, you know, I've sat there lying on the sofa, sipping yeah. a Diet Coke, and I'm thinking, you know, this guy's carrying people up hills. <laughs> uh, I know, I know. It's, it's just unreal. Like I say, truly, you know, true athletes have to be competitive and have to be so single-minded that they, they ignore the obvious risks to achieve the ultimate goal, whatever it is. I mean, I'm not entirely sure what was driving him when he went into WWE, because that's entertainment, isn't it? That's showbiz. You know, what drives an athlete to an, an Olympic gold medal is different to what drives you when you're in a completely different field. You know, I mean, WWE is great fun, great entertainment, but it's not sport. It's not sp- competitive sport in the same way as it was in the Olympics. So there's a difference there. I think that's part of the big you know, story there, though, is that he dedicates the first part of his life so much to this winning the gold. Like He was yeah. so driven that when he achieved it, he just didn't know what to do. It was like, yeah. well, where do I go from here? Like, I know. And one of, the, one of the family members says, like, you know, 
it's not really worth anything. You know, you've got a gold medal in your hand, yeah. but you know, she says you've got something else in your other hand. I'll leave it up to the listeners <laughs> yeah, yeah. to decide what that is. <laughs> but she was it's very true. He's like, Well, it doesn't it's not like, oh, okay, well now you've got, you know, a million pounds a year for yeah. life. They don't give you a salary from yeah. that. Like you and I think the whole training side of it mm. and it was kind of it felt like um you know, full metal jacket. It felt like, oh, it's like the training session, you know, in that first yeah. part of the film was really yeah. grueling. And then it goes into this other start, start of the story, which you're like, oh, okay, well, now it's this, which is totally different to what we've yeah. just seen. Um, yeah. Also, they go to Foxcatcher. Have you seen Foxcatcher, the film? No, I haven't, actually. I strongly recommend that film. Yeah. Um, mm. Steve Carell. And you, you hear about it in this because Kurt Angle was one of the actual athletes that went there right um, China, yeah but the yeah the film because when they said fox catch i was like, is that that's the same place it must be and yeah the the film yeah. obviously because we find out um i won't go into that because actually you should obviously you already know kind of what happens i guess because you've seen yeah. this but um yeah fabulous film and yeah. also gives you an idea about what we're talking about when we're yeah. talking about these these uh, athletes going to such levels of mm. you know, training regime or exhaust training yeah. aren't they? like they're trying to basically just outlast their opponent they go right. yeah well if i never get tired then i'll win because yeah. eventually the other one's just going to give up what well, what i think actually comes through here though is that is the determination and dedication to be the best at something but then as you just mentioned that kind of deflation once you have got there it's the old analogy about astronauts that go to the moon or somebody that climbs Mount Everest, how do you top it? You, you've got to the top. What do you do then? Do you just stay there? Do you just hold? Or what do you do? Where do you go after that? And I suppose, really, to have a, a gold medal in Olympic wrestling doesn't have the same uh, kudos as a gold medal in track and field would have, for example. So it doesn't kind of... You can't build on that necessarily, and that's what led him into WWE. But I, I really like Kurt Angle. You know, he interviews well. He's very down-to-earth, honest, very candid about his life, and that's what makes it even more riveting. And really, I think this film helps to promote wrestling as a sport because, frankly, I'd, I'd never heard of Kurt Angle. Yeah, it's funny because I... I... Like I said, I was very much into it for a phase I, yeah. you know, when I was a kid, and he was in that phase. And I think seeing it again was was really nostalgic for me. It was like, oh, this is like, mm. you know, you, and yeah. some of the interviewees, like um, Dwayne Johnson, is on there, and um, yeah. Steve Austin, who plays yeah. who's Stone Cold Steve Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin, <laughs> yeah, yeah, with his beer cans. I'm going to start doing that at the beginning of shows. <laughs> I'm just smack my beer cans together. Why not? What um, yeah. But yeah, I thought that you know that was. It, really powerful to have them in. It it gave a bigger edge because this could have just been like a home movies type yeah. sort of thing. But when you also get through to the part of the film where he's dealing with uh, spoilers, if you don't want to know this, but he is dealing with painkiller addiction. Mm. Um, that their input on that in terms of what they're saying to him, how they're helping him through it, that mm. that was really powerful to me. And I, I really enjoyed that part. I thought, because like you say, Angle's great at interviews and he does give you some quite good emotion when he's talking yeah. about these things and what he was doing and how many he was taking. And oh, it was just really. And he, yeah, I know. And he wasn't over emotional, was he? I mean, 
when he was genuinely moved when he was recounting something yeah. that happened in his life, he didn't. He wasn't bursting into tears every five minutes, was <laughs> no. he? No. Now and again, but you could see when he was showing real emotion. What makes this a very good? I mean, I like uh, documentary films. I think they're great, and I think they're they're um, often underrated within that kind of genre of films generally, and they do rank alongside action movies and historical epics, whatever, right? Docu- documentary films have their place. And this is particularly good. I put this at the top end of really good documentary films because it tells the story of the rise, fall and recovery of someone. And you don't always get that kind of positive end. You know, these sorts of documentary films are often leave you on a downer. This one doesn't. Yeah, so... I think you know we both agreed. Uh, very powerful documentary. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. My only, I got a small criticism, which I don't really need to mention. But the only thing I would say is just I think the music and the score was being quite melodramatic at times. Like it mm. felt a bit too, oh, up and down, up and down, like trying to like take you on this journey, which I don't think it needed to do. I felt like yeah. the the content was good enough like it was really yeah. compelling they didn't need to kind of create this artificial uh environment for it to feel yeah. like oh this is where you should be sad and this is where you should feel yeah. that it's it's tense like we kind of knew it was tense like yeah uh, i mean it's, yeah you're right i think it's almost like a prompt isn't it with, with the scoring the soundtrack some some films don't need it. i don't think it, i don't think the film needed music no. at all you know some other some films do but I think you really need to think about uh, whether it's going to enhance the film, and a documentary doesn't really need that because you've got you've got the drama there already because of the story that we're hearing. So yeah, there you go. Um, so the documentary is called Angle, and mm. you can read the review. I think Jason uh, reviewed it on mm. the website, so do go and check it out because um, you know see what he made of it and, and obviously mm. see whether you uh, align with what, what we've said um, mm. in terms of the film itself. Uh, I'm just going to see if I can see anything in terms of uh, what they said about release. Um, not that I can see. So yeah. And I think, yeah, we had a password protected um, link. There's mm. no information currently other than an IMDB page from what I can see. So, yeah, one of those ones where you probably have to check back. Um, but, you know, I'm sure if you're following um, any of, uh, like maybe even Kurt Angle himself, um, if not oh, Alex right, Perry, yeah. the uh, filmmaker, uh, or just drop us a line if you're interested in seeing it. We can always try and uh, coax some more information out of the filmmakers mm. to, to get that to you. Um, okay, moving on to a short film now called Gus Should Get the Girl. Um, right. this was again reviewed by Jason on the website um, written and directed by Joseph Rach uh, and mm. stars Marcel Rach who I'm guessing related um, I think that's safe bet isn't it really? safe bet I put my safe on bet yeah. <laughs> well, you, you, you would give your relative a part in a film if he was oh, making it wouldn't you? I wouldn't. My brother knows that. You know, I wouldn't put him in a film. No, no. no He's done too really? many horrible things to me in the past. Oh, you know? right. yeah. Okay, fair enough. He really teased me as a, as a kid. Um, <laughs> that was like wrestling, you know, putting me in, in headlocks and stuff. Um, uh, but yeah, the, so the film stars Marcel Rich, uh, Kayla Kelly and Joey Lundholm and essentially is about a, a young lad, uh, sort of teenager, 
sitting in a diner and he is prepping for a big date. He has a date mm. with a girl um, oh, later yeah. on and he plans to meet his friend Tim um, to talk about you know, the strategies of, you know, wooing women. Um, <laughs> We've all been there, haven't we? We've all been yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And it's um, his, you know, he's playing through what he's going to, like, well, how he's going to come across in the date. Um, but instead of his friend turning up, his friend's mum turns up. Hmm. And our protagonist sees this as an opportunity to just test some of his methods and strategies to see whether they <laughs> how they go down on his friends um, <laughs> um what do you think of this one Ryan? i really enjoyed it i think it's it was really good fun it's sweet endearing funny and a fair reflection of the angst we all go through in adolescence you know wanting to be cool and grown up impressing a girl but the awkwardness and fear of failure it's all in there and I, I like I like the 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 setup whereby he's got the cue cards, hasn't he? Trying rehearsing his lines, and then this uh, mature, attractive woman turns up, not instead, but before it all kind of starts, and that's Tim's mum. I thought, right, I'll try, I'll try it out, and I love that. I love that. It's, I love the simplicity of it, and the fact that it is relatable because we've all been through that, and it's it's it reminds you how awkward and painful it was when we all went through it you know and it's life is a learning process but really good fun really enjoyable nice nice and light and speaks a lot of truth and you know films that work the best are the ones that we can see something of ourselves in yeah i I thought it was one of those films that on one hand it kind of felt like maybe it was a um project you know, like a school film project, that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah they've, okay, we're gonna yeah. make a make a thing in the local diner, and you know, yeah. kind of it was. It, it felt fairly basic in terms yeah. of stuff. But then when I started to unpick my feelings on the film, I was like, actually, this is quite a rich film here. There's actually quite a lot going on here. It plays on a lot of classic themes and you yeah. know, coming of age uh, feelings yeah. and storylines, and you've got. I think quite a good central performance, in particular the mum. I think the mum, when she comes, lends quite a good amount of um, credence to the performances. And Mm. I think she also coaxes quite a good one out of our our lead, uh, Marcel. I Mm. think that you needed that with a film like this, because had it been just, you know, young characters i don't know if the the caliber of the acting would have been there but yeah. as it is it actually works quite well yeah. um some of the camera work is a bit jolting that's one of my notes i've got it was i was kind of feeling that it was a bit all over the place when it didn't yeah. really need to be um, the, yeah you know. the, this feels i mean we we're talking earlier about what we understood by the term indie film this feels more like a traditional indie film really it doesn't have that that kind of poise and polish but you know, doesn't mean to say that it's any less effective, but you can see that it, that they've got a more limited budget compared to some of the other films that we've reviewed here tonight. But it still it still works. But you know, as I say, hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot; we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So it kind of feels more like a traditional indie film, what you would expect to see in an indie film. Hmm. You know? But I think you're right about the, about the mother, though. She's a, she's a pivotal character in that story. Right, because straight away, he's kind of upping his game, not just in the acting stakes, but the character is, is kind of going up a notch where this hot date is around the same age as him. That There you've got a, a grown-up adult mature woman who's, who's kind of teaching him in her own way. You know? So I like that too. It's a, it's a nice sort of spin on a story that we've seen many times before, but it's a question of how you execute it, isn't it? You know. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's um, available actually to to watch. If people can watch uh, Gus should get the girl on YouTube. Mm. Um, just search for it. I'm sure it'll come up. Yeah. Um, and obviously, yeah, again, go to the website to read Jason's review because he was very uh, positive about it too. There's a trailer there. Yeah, you know, if you want to watch the trailer just to see, get a feel for the film. Mm. Um, because, like we said, you know, indie films often now are coming out with such a good quality it'd be good to mm. hear what people think of this one yeah. um, because we are able to sort of show it people are able to see it yeah um so yeah that's gosh get the girl mm. moving on to an indie feature now from ben Echelis um this is a again comedy horror We've got another comedy horror here. It's what it's labelled mm. as anyway on IMDb. Um, you don't stand convinced there? Eh? Well, I, when I remember this film, I don't remember it. I suppose it is, yeah. Uh, it Be an Evil Moon is the film. It's <laughs> a drunken old goat. Only made of your shenanigans and you'll get nothing. And you'll be mucking your own porridge, Amorn. Silent as a moose. Silent as a moose. It Be an Evil Moon. The stars flickered and the mountain slept silently. An old sheepdog sat on a rock watching his flock. Not once had he lost a sheep. Even when he slept, he could listen for any possible danger. One of the sheep approaches him and asks him, So why do you guard us every night? And the old dog said, Because it's my job. The sheep ponders then asks another question. So what is our job then? The dog says, your job? Your job is to give birth every year so your babies can be eaten. What the hell? Is that it? Aye. Bit morbid like. Your granny told you this. Aye, when I was a wee bairn. Fuck me, Mildred. I'm going for a slash. Do you want to do the setup? What's the, what's the film? Yeah, about? okay then. So, yeah, directed by Ben Etchell, starring Richard Allen, Ian Ray White, Rod Glenn, and Gordon Joseph Miller. So, yeah, so we're in keeping with the theme of this episode. Freddie is a former scientist who now ekes out a living as a minicab driver. 
and also supplies the local gangster with drugs. But he has a, hu- a side hustle. Freddie's developing a formula to cure hair loss. Being follically challenged himself, he dreams of the day when he finally cracks the case. He has an elderly mother who is bedbound but prone to the occasional wander. He tries the new formula on his own pate. Awaking the next morning, he is her sweets, her suits, her sweets, um, with a full beard. His joy knows no bounds, but what forces has he unleashed? That's the question, isn't it? Um, I I think the film generally works very well. It's an interesting new take on on the on the genre. Um, all I would say about it is that the story seems to tail off a little bit towards the end and doesn't really offer the viewer a satisfactory conclusion. I was kind of expecting a bit more. Now, people listening might watch it and think, oh, no, it's fine. But I, I was I was wanting a bit more. But the setup's great. And I like the the, the angle with the, the drug dealer as well. Because there's all kinds of directions this storyline could have gone in. So it surprises you in that way. But no, I, th- I thought it was pretty decent. Yeah, I think you're right in terms of the uh, the plotting. I, f- I found it similar. Um, I thought what, it didn't go satisfactory by the end for me. Mm. I'd enjoyed the bulk of it. I Actually, I thought it was a really uh, good mix because obviously stories about werewolves and, and things like that have been mm. done in the past. And yeah. you're, you're, you're entering into quite a hallowed genre really mm, um yeah. the to do a film like this you know it needs to be worthy it needs to have a good story and I, I liked yeah. it i liked the setup the and the latter part of the film funny enough was actually where i thought it was really getting into gear i was like oh here mm. we go like you know and this is where especially with the landscape the beautiful landscape that they were in I know, and he I gets know. to that cabin yeah. did you recognize uh the guy in the cabin um, he looked familiar. Yeah, so I, I, Gordon yeah. Joseph Miller, he was in a film that we reviewed at last year's festival. Um, right. Okay. It was the film set in a pub where he played. Um, Baroness was what it was called. I know. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, we couldn't yeah. work out what it was called. Baroness. That yeah. was it, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it's that one. And yeah. he, funny enough, he turned up to the event that I did where I got all the filmmakers there. Right. And um, it was really, yeah, it was great to see him in this. I thought his scene with his partner was yeah. probably the best. It was such a great um, part. That's the clip that we'll play. It's actually yeah. him with her talking about you know, the, the story of it being an evil moon. And I yeah. thought that was where the film was, was should have been more you know focused on whereas actually we got a lot to begin with and it took a long time to get to the bits that were actually a bit more kind of exciting i guess yeah yeah i think i think you're right the those conversations towards towards the end were very cleverly put together and this is where where i think we're agreed on this that it kind of tailed off a little bit that it didn't reach that proper conclusion because it was setting something up which it appeared to not necessarily do, uh, but yeah, it, it was it was good. There, there was a lot to enjoy there, a lot to enjoy and a, and a lot to to take in. But yeah, it, it's it's all good. Um, and I think like the film that like, we were going back to the genre is like comedy horror. It, there is this sort of mix of sinister and silly, which does yeah. work quite well. The funniest bit for me was this 
bloke that sits out the back of his house in a deck chair and he just throws a beer can every time he sees him, he just throws a beer can. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, that is just hilarious. Like, why? why yeah, that is good. Yeah. Why is yeah. he there? Yeah. Um, and also, there's a bit where someone gets attacked with CGI uh, seagulls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was just that was really funny. Yeah. Um, so I think you know it's got this sort of zany, fun element to it, and it's got like this sort of. Uh, interesting premise with the horror story. I think where the film slightly lets itself down is it doesn't lean more into that story and give us mm. a bit more. Because it's actually, I don't think it was that long from what I remember. Hour, I thought, tw- hour 21 minutes, I think. So it could have maybe yeah. given us a little bit more. But yeah. that being said, you know, it's a really worthy, interesting yeah. uh, you know, film people should seek out. Let me just see if we've got any information about a release. Uh, there is a Facebook, well, it says people, but if you search Facebook for It Be An Evil Moon uh, or Twitter uh, at It Be An Evil Moon on Instagram, it's Medusa Media Productions. So yeah, there's information out there. There's trailers and things. The film viewing link was a YouTube link, but I don't know if it was public or not. Let me mm. check that as well. I don't think it is. Yeah. So. It might not be out just yet, but I've given you some links there in terms of where you can find out more because these films are really hard. You know, to make a feature film is difficult, yeah. and to make one that is doing so much as what this is, that mm. you know, hats off to the filmmakers because yeah. I think they've no, done a, a fabulous job. We just wanted more of it. I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, all the ingredients are there. It's, it was a great effort, but you know, like like I say, it's. Um, it's all about what you get from it yourself. You know, I think we more or less drew the same conclusions to us, didn't we, about the film itself. But, mm-hmm. you know, someone else could look at it and think, oh, no, you know. But that that's the beauty of filmmaking and watching films like this is that you we all get something slightly different from it. But this this is a fine effort and it's all there, but it's a question of how you, how you present it and where you go with it. It's got great potential. It's a word I often come back to with films like this because you think, it's all there. It's all in, in place, but you've just got to shape it and develop it. But it's good, though. Good stuff. There we go. It be an evil moon. Um, next up, we're heading to a short film written and directed by Brandon Haynes. It's a film called Two Truths and a Lie. And Chris Buick reviewed this on the mm. website and gave it, I think, five stars. And I was like, ooh. Yeah, um, yeah. Bold statement, eh? That is a bold statement. And yeah. having seen the film, I can see why it's got five stars. I love the setup for this film. So yeah. essentially, it's about three people uh, from different uh, career backgrounds who all struggle to lie. Um, and they are going through a... Um, counseling session with a slightly unorthodox counselor who Mm. is going to try and get them to be able to lie more comfortably Mm. because Mm. it affects these people quite seriously so one's like a professional poker player so obviously (laughs) needs to be able to lie and blab yeah well Um, there's like a social media personality who you can't sort of get by but i can't remember what the other it's a lawyer isn't it is it a lawyer it's a lawyer i think might be which if it was then that's playing on the whole liar liar um film well, yeah which, you know, which yeah we've, we've seen before um yeah i think you're right actually so the the film works really well even just with those three personalities but i mm. actually agree with chris's review which he says that this show stealer really is the therapist um yeah. she is absolutely balmy and yeah. she she does things to sort of 
elicit these responses from them to try and get yeah. them to to lie and it is hilarious yeah. um really yeah. really funny but also a little bit disturbing like it feels a little bit like on the sort of thriller side at the same time yeah. did you get that feeling yeah no of course i, I think it it's kind of a it's, it's a mix of all kinds of sort of styles and approaches that yeah it, it does have elements of thriller strike chiller strike comedy it's got element all those elements uh, mixed in i think it's good it's very good it's such a great premise again we, we talk about the premise don't we the setup what what's the basic plot how does it work and this is brilliant i love the idea of a support group for those who can't help but tell the truth and the first thing i thought was this is far too big an idea for a short film you know we often talk about um the potential that short films have to be something more than than a short film and this could work as a feature film or even a tv series you know they've got a, a lawyer poker player an influencer you know just think of the clients that melissa could get mm. just imagine people in professions where the need to tell the truth might cause a bit of a problem for them and that needs curing so it's got dynamic potential and you think you give this to a top comedy writer or a top thriller writer this is this is gold this is pure gold and I completely endorse Chris Buick giving it five stars because in context, to do what they've done in the space of what, 20, 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it was, that is hell of an effort. Really impressed with it. I think so too. Um, yeah. And like you said, I, I agree. I think you know, web series or a film or, or a show because there's so much. I did feel this was one much like the previous film it finished and I was like, no, 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 yeah, there more. should be more here, more, more here, yeah, more, more here, please. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think the, they only gave you a few different things, which she does in terms of like the methods to get yeah. to life. And I was like, oh, there could be so more, there could have been so many more things to really bring this yeah. out. Um, yeah. Obviously maybe that's the sign of a good film is wanting you to sort of, you know, you leave you wanting more. So yeah. I can't always be too sort of hard on them for that, but no. yeah, as a, as a proof of concept, there's something big here yeah. that you know, could certainly be. Well, well Chris, I'll be very surprised if this doesn't go somewhere. You know that that yes, it's a short film. They're they're working within a limited time frame. You know they they've got their um, you know the, the pace, the sequencing, uh, the logical sequence, the storytelling that they have to get into a limited time frame. They've got all that worked out. But I would be amazed if this didn't go somewhere else. I can't believe that you wouldn't do something more with it with a, a short film like this. But we shall see. You never know. We might be reviewing a feature-length version <laughs> in a year or two. I hope, you know, because it, it's an intriguing prospect. And you give it, I mean, it looked to me like it had a pretty decent budget anyway, but you give it any, a, a proper budget. Give it to Netflix. Give it to, yeah, I you can know. really see that because it had a kind of almost Black Mirror sort of feel to yeah. it. Like not not in terms of total vibe, but in terms of the look and yeah. feel of it. I was like, yeah, I could see this working brilliantly as a yeah. in, you know, binge worthy series that someone yeah. would watch. Um, Absolutely. Obviously, if it does get that far, Brandon, you do owe us some money because we've bigged it up to that point. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. What more can um, they ask for? We can't say yeah. fairer than that, can we? I really? Think, yeah. We don't want a lot of the pie, just some of the pie. Yeah, please. I know. We're not greedy, are we, Chris? Really. No. Um, but if you want to find out more about Two Truths and a Lie, they are on socials. So 
they are using the number two. So two truths, a lie, all one word on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and it's also, they have a website for the main company called gorillawolf.com. So yeah, no reason why you can't find more on that. I don't think it is out because we got a password protected link. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, but yeah, two truths and a lie, five stars. Definitely go see it if you can. Uh, I think it's fabulous. We are sticking with the short films. Um, going now to Elena Viklova's short film, Intern which Joe Beck gave four stars on the website. And I think, yeah, it's four or five for me. I thought this was fantastic. Uh, Really enjoyed it. Um, So the setup is Isaac J plays a intern at this, well, basically in the basement, I think. And there's a group of people there all trying to uh, vie for a position at a company. And the internship is about to come to an end for uh, our main characters. career so he's trying his best to get in front of the ceo and to show him this report that he's made to try and get his job you know he's he's putting out all the stops unfortunately it doesn't go very well for him he uh through calamity and also through uh people that work there sort of keeping him down um (laughs) he even gets stuck in a lift at one point um it doesn't really go too well then it does sort of change slightly towards the end um i thought not only was this a really interesting story and there's lots of great themes about capitalism and, and greed mm. and how we perceive employment, but also it just looked great. It had this yeah. strange like hue to it, like a, a greeny yeah. kind of hue that made it feel like you're watching something from like the 70s, but felt very yeah. modern at the same time. Yeah. Um, what did you think of Intern, Brian? Yeah, I really liked it. I think it's very clever. It's very clever, very intelligent perceptive filmmaking again within a very limited time frame this is what i find very impressive about the ability to make a short film is that you give it an end-to-end feel and you get a, you get a lot of detail there a bit like gus should get the girl uh it's very relatable it starts off with a concept that we can all understand right you know there's all we've all been for a job that we really want right we're all competing to be accepted to prove that we're worthy of someone's attention in the work environment. And I think the character's called Seth, isn't he, the, the main character? I think it's Seth, isn't it? Um, the fact that he's he's trying to pull out the stops and do everything possible to get this job, to nail it, but still being asked to jump through numerous hurdles, you know, trying to overcome various ob- obstacles, and that is something we can all understand, we can all relate to. But yeah, you're right. It, it's got um, visually, it's it's good. Uh, the script's good, and it it works because it's it's something that we all get. We all get what the the psyche of that character is. That he's determined to make all the right noises and get that job. And we can all understand that, can't we? Yeah, and I think they they matched it with this sort of like his energy, like his passion for, for trying to do this, the filmmaking kind of has that as well. Like it feels yeah. like it's keeping up with him and it feels at times like kind of quirky or frantic mm. or, you know, it's going, to, it's keeping the viewer on their toes quite yeah. well, I found. And I think, like you say, people can relate to this. They can mm. see that maybe in themselves or you know, maybe they've done yeah. that at times or even felt that way about something yeah. that, 
the central performance is really great. I, th- mm. I think he does fabulously with the with the role. Mm. I like the supporting characters. There's one guy where they, they pull the he pulls his newspaper down and he just looks totally annoyed <laughs> that he's been interrupted. I thought, yeah, that's just great. Yeah. And there's always someone at work that's like that, right? There's always that I cynical know, guy that yeah. doesn't say anything. Yeah. Um, and I think they capture that really well. They capture this element, even though it is kind of a bit of a oddball, strange premise that actually there's a lot of familiarity there as well. There's lots of things that you're going to go, oh yeah, that feels relatable. Well, well also Chris, that, you know, you can make a point by exaggerating, you know, and you can do that. You can you can sort of create a situation that looks extreme or far-fetched, but you're making a valid point at the same time. So you can make a point by exaggerating. And that's, in some ways, that's what, what, what they've done here, is to take something to an extreme, but still enable the audience to understand what they're getting at. Uh, which is, again, it's very clever. The, the word I keep on coming back to with the intern is clever, smart. This is smart filmmaking. There we go. I mean, I can't say fair on that. Um, Intern uh, short film is not out as far as I'm aware. I might be wrong on that. But you can find them on Instagram. So at intern film, all one word. And the review as well. Do go check out Chris Buick's uh, very glowing review. Um, Mm. I think it really does delve into the film and, and what he liked about it uh mm. let us know if you are able to ever see it let us know what you think yeah. uh, it's always nice to to hear from our listeners mm. now this next short film was one i reviewed on the website i know so i see, um, so I see. Mm. and another five star film um, deserve, it's well deserved oh, it's so very well deserved it's called the one note man Once upon a Christmas time, there was a musical man who lived a careful life. Each day was much like the next, and that was just how he liked it. Because I reviewed it, I'm going to let you do the synopsis oh, on this. Okay. I might, oh, I might, I might gush too much. You might you... gush too much. Yeah. Right. yeah. Should I be a bit harder on it? No, I can't, <laughs> I can't really. I, th- I thought I might give a bit of a contrast, but I don't think I can really. Well, okay then. So, directed by George Sugas. Sugas. Yeah. Sugas, starring Jason Watkins. Uh, it's a simple but lovable tale about a musician who plays the oboe in an orchestra. And his only contribution to the piece is one solitary note. The musician leads a humdrum existence, but is secretly in love with a lady that plays the violin in the same orchestra. Crippled by shyness, he tries in his own way to impress her. He stealthily builds up his part, much to the annoyance of the conductor. But will the pretty violinist respond to his delicate advances? I absolutely love this. I think it's fantastic. Um, as you pointed out in your review, Chris, there are shades of Groundhog Day here. Hmm. Uh, it's packed with symbolism. Isn't it really a, a grey life represented by this one note and an obsession with minority, you know, with loose strands on his jacket and a toothbrush always pointing upwards? 
I guess the moral here is that love will eventually set him free. Um, it benefits hugely from Jason Watkins in the title role. Very familiar actor. We've seen him on, on film and TV. And he makes a lot of short films, doesn't he? You know, I think we reviewed a, a short film of his last year. Yeah, I remember, I remember seeing him in a few things. Yeah. yeah. And um, that's that's a big plus. Some good cameos there. Paul Barber, trigger for Money Falls and Horses, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so that that's, again, another strength. But the biggest strength of this film, in my opinion, Chris, in my humble opinion, is that there are... There is no script. You know, you know. I love words. I love words. I'm fascinated by the power of words. But here, words aren't necessary. You don't mm. need a script, right? That means that without any dialogue, there are no language barriers. It has universal appeal. You could play it to any audience in any country in the world, any culture, whoever you, whoever you take it to, they will understand this film. They'll get it. Because there are no language barriers. No need for subtitles, no need for dubbing, nothing, right? But they see a very human story unfolding here. I think it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Wow. I'm glad I managed to get my review in before you came and made it even, you know, make me look silly, Brian. Well, I was only trying to enhance it, Chris, myself, you know. Yeah, how profound you've done in your review. And I looked like a little five-year-old with my review. But yeah, no, no, I... Yeah, I'm glad that we were on the same page with this one. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. always, you know, when you love a film, you kind of think, oh, am I going to be on my own here? I would have no, absolutely not... fought my corner, but I, <laughs> I'm glad that you are on the No, no, no. Um, we're agreed on that. Absolutely. It is one of those films, like you say, it's, it's universal. Anyone can enjoy this film. Um, and J- Watkins is amazing. He's so mm. good in this film. He's great. Great. He's, he's got that kind of like uh, Mr. Bean kind of feel. Not, yeah. like, not in terms of like, that silliness but in terms of the physical performance mm. it yeah. really is sort of that slight embellishment and slight kind of exaggeration to just really bring the audience in because otherwise yeah. you could just be like, oh why do i care um yeah. and there's all these little moments there's so mm. many moments in my review i picked out uh crystal you who plays the um conductor the conductor yeah giving him the evil eye when <laughs> yeah. he sort of yeah. ends up causing a bit of a ruckus yeah it's those things they're small things but actually it, it made it feel quite British. It made it feel like this yeah, is oh, our yeah, sense very... of humour. Yeah, we yeah. really enjoy these sort of uh, yeah, stories absolutely. and this filmmaking. I thought it was just excellent. The the cast I say is, is great. I liked the the way that it also does play with the audience quite a bit mm. because there is a first you're watching. Okay, he's just you know, going through his humdrum life, and there's mm. like a almost like a slapstick feel to him just going yeah. in and out of the same room. Yeah. Then there's a quite a like, almost like a sad kind of feeling to it of, you know, him actually yeah. his experience. Then you get this love story and the meet yeah. cute. Cause like he hadn't really noticed this yeah. violinist. And then it becomes a love story. So you're getting a lot in this really short space. time. This wouldn't work as any longer. This is exactly as no. long as it needs uh, yeah. to be. Um, because it's perfectly, you know, in tune to a, uh, Pay on a pound there. Uh, yeah. It's perfectly in tune oh, yeah, with what, what, the aud- <laughs> what the audience is going to want and expect from a film like this. Yeah. And every part of it is needed. Every single bit yeah. was like, that is it's just no padding. perfect. Yeah, it's no there's padding. No padding. There's nothing no. in there that you can't think, well, okay, well, you could have cut that down a bit. Yeah. Um, and for a film that doesn't rely on dialogue, that's huge. And it's not, hmm. I wouldn't say it's even that short. I can't remember how long it was. I'm thinking it's about, about 20 minutes. Yeah, 20 minutes probably. 20, yeah, yeah, Something like that. The, 
it's not like it was like a three minute music video. You know, it no. was like, yeah, that's a long film. For some short mm-hmm. films, they fit a whole feature length yeah. in that that time. Um, mm-hmm. But to, to do this without any dialogue, I think is really ambitious to do it with this cast as well. Like you've mm-hmm. got to be pretty confident about the film you're going to make if you've got yeah. no dialogue and you're hiring no. these people to be in it. <laughs> I, I, I reckon for an actor, that's a very difficult part to play. If you've got no scripts, the, the major tool that you have as an actor is the scripts, isn't it? Mm-hmm. All right, you get an outline with, with what is basically, a, you could call it a silent movie because there's no dialogue, but they get an outline, but that they don't get a script. So you've taken some a, a vital tool away from an actor. So it becomes a much more difficult part to play. You know what, what I was thinking when I was watching it? You know, it's almost Charlie Chaplin-esque mm. in its approach, isn't it? Yeah, and that's a, that. yeah. That's a strength, really. You know, you you, you kind of realise how great Charlie Chaplin was and that if Charlie Chaplin was around today, it, I'm sure he would totally approve. And, you know, to me, I, I, to me, that's the greatest compliment you could pay a film like this because that's the, the benchmark, that's the standard of an approach to making a film. But absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Really is. And just to also note, Ian McKellen does a bit of narration. That yeah, is one, one of the only bits of uh, dialogue yeah. that you do get. Yeah, right um, at the beginning. Beginning and the end, wasn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, if there was anything you could add on, you know, it's kind of like what ingredient you're going to stick on to just improve something that's already perfect. It's going to be the voice of Ian McKellen. You know, it's going to be like, yeah, yeah, now it's done. Now it's finished. Mm. It doesn't, there's, you know, it's only going to make it better. Only going to make it better. Um, Yeah. yeah, Amazing. Really, really good. To get that caliber of actors involved. I mean, Jason Watkins, Ian McKellen, Ian McKellen, and also, you know, Joanna Klein, who played the, the violinist, you know, very well known, one and actually who you would instantly recognise. And also Paul Barber plays the florist, doesn't he? You know, it's to get all those touches, nice touches, and get these people involved. It shows how good it is. Mm, yeah. How much it's rated when you get that calibre of actor involved. So that's another great, great plus. So that was the one note, man. Um, do go read my review. Um mm. Absolutely. If you've got lovely things to say about my writing, send them to me. If you've got not so nice things to say, <laughs> uh, send them somewhere else. Um, <laughs> the, the film, if you want to find out more, they have a website it's called Cusp Films. So that's C-U-S-P-F-I-L-M-S dot co dot UK. So that's their website. And they are on social media. So Twitter would be at Cusp Films. Instagram, it's at Cusp underscore films. So I'm, I'm pretty sure the film is not out yet. Um, I'm pretty sure... Mm it is doing the festival run because I follow them on socials and they are uh-huh. talking a lot about festivals at the moment. However, it's the kind of film I could see it being released. Um, Should you know, be, shouldn't and, it really? And people will, yeah. will be able to watch it on something like Omeletto or something like that. Yeah. Um, so that's the one that, man, and that's the end of our indie films, leaving us only the nostalgia pick for this month. Um, mm. As we say, it's a horror month. Um, mm. So we are... Obviously, going ahead to Disney, you know that's where we're going. Disney Plus, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously, obviously. Where um, else? <laughs> I, I picked. I wanted something from Disney Plus because I felt that yeah, we we'd done Netflix for the streaming pick. I thought, oh, let's 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 head to Disney. I've I had never seen The Omen. Now I really? put it no, so I put it as the nostalgia pick because this is partly 
what the nostalgia pick is for, which is those films which you kind of should have seen, like you feel mm. like, oh, maybe it gives you a reason to watch them. Um, and I thought I'd seen The Omen reference so many times, like in mm. pop culture. Do you know what always comes to mind is Only Fools and Horses because of like Damien and. Of oh, like, Damien, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That I was like, I've, do you know what? I'm going to, this is it. This is a good reason to watch yeah, it. Um, had you seen it before? I had a long time ago, though. Oh. You know, the, these. I'd, it came out in 1976. I never realised it was that old, actually. I thought it was a bit more recent. I may have been thinking of the two sequels that they made. Mm. But the original film came out in 76. I would have seen it the first time, possibly 10 years after. Because at that time, films would take four or five years to appear on, on the small screen. So it probably would have been the mid-80s when I first saw it. But I've not seen it for a very long time. So this... For me, we, it's a bit, you know, we always say, don't we, that if you've not seen the film for years, you can see it with a fresh pair of eyes. So, yeah, I have seen it, mm. but I've seen it previously, but a very long time ago. Though. It's also quite good with this nostalgia pick because you get that chance to go, is it how I remember? And like, yeah. you go back and watch yeah. a film and go, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, actually, yeah, that is as good. Like we, we did Fight Club. I'd seen it so many times when I was younger. Yeah. And I watched it again. I was like, yeah, no, it still holds up. Still great. Um, oh, of course, with, yeah. uh, with this, um, I hadn't seen it, but it has a lot of similarities to films of that era, films that I have seen, you know, yeah. 70s horrors and mm. things like that. Um, it is one of the films as well that it has a place in horror legacy in terms mm. of like what it's done and, and yeah. things like that. Um, so the story centers around Gregory Peck's character. He's an ambassador. Uh, Called, uh, Robert Thorne, who very, very early on in the film, they lose their child um, mm. in the hospital. And in order to not cause his wife any distress or his partner any distress, um, someone offers him the chance of having another child uh, that sadly lost their mother at childbirth. So, kind of a, well, you know, take this one instead situation. Mm. <laughs> um, as you do. Yeah. As you do. And Years go by, and he sort of his life kind of becomes he becomes quite successful in his career, but the child starts to seem a bit odd, to be honest, a bit mm. weird, um, yeah. bit sinister, and it all comes to a head when someone dies at the mm. at a picnic. Um, she mm. is that the first one? That's the first one where she goes out the window, right? Yeah, it's the, yeah. It's the nanny, isn't it? Yeah, the nanny. The nanny. Um, and from there, it only gets weirder. And also, the a priest or some religious character keeps trying to track Gregory Peck's character down and warns him of this. Warns that actually, this child uh, presents more evil than he may be prepared for, and yeah. it all links into the church. So yeah. they must stop him. At first, obviously, he doesn't really believe him, but no. then more and more things start to happen, and. Chaos and violence ensue. It escalates into horror territory. Um, (laughs) What did you think watching this again, Brian? How did you feel like watching this seventies horror film in twenty twenty three? I think it still it still works. It still Mm. definitely works. Alongside the Wicker Man. Now we've mentioned the Wicker Man before, haven't we? But alongside the Wicker Man, this film is the benchmark for all horror movies. They get the basics right. You know, great director in Richard Donner. Great cast. Gregory Peck, a genuine film legend. Lee Remick, Billy Whitelaw, David Warner. Patrick Troughton, who plays the priest. 
you know, they all excellent actors know what they're doing. So they've got all the basics right, you know, and a very strong story that's telling uh, quite a kind of an explicit tale, really, you know, about, about the the kind of the mirror image of Jesus, isn't it really? You know, the the son of the devil and mm. ties in with, with religion and religious symbolism. It's it's still shocking. It still feels shocking. It still works. You know, there are certain scenes in the film that still make me jump. And you know, I, I don't often get affected in that way by a horror movie, but some films do it to me. And this is one of them. You know, one you can pick out all kinds of scenes that that will shock you and linger in the memory. But the where where um, Lee Remick's, Remick's character, the mother, is on the stairs trying to fix the light. Yeah. And the kid comes along on it on his bike or on his tricycle. That is a generally shocking scene. It really is. And it's, it does make you make you jump out of your seat for it momentarily. It did remind it, me a lot of The Shining because I was like, that felt... Very yeah, akin, right? Yeah, no, that's very true. Yeah, that's that's obviously where where they got it from, though, wasn't it? That you know, in some ways, all all films are derivative, aren't they, of something else, of something you've seen previously, yeah. you know? And that's why I think the the Omen is so influential that they get lots of they draw on lots of ideas that they that they put down in a film like the Omen. It works, you know. It does what it's supposed to do, and it, even though it is what forty-seven years old, you know, it still manages to be thought-provoking, disturbing, scary, with it with very few special effects, with pretty basic um, effects that, you know, they represent the the seventies in some ways, where there was nothing. I don't know. You film you film the omen today, right? You imagine what you could do with all the techniques and tricks and wizardry you've got at your disposal now. But I don't think they could make that film any better now than they did then. No, if you I see what that, I'm getting at. Oh, hundred percent. When it comes yeah. to horror, like if you've got practical effects, they still work way better than uh, yeah. CGI. And I think it's the kind of film where they're doing a lot of supernatural big stuff like they've got the hellhounds they've got the mm. there's a storm at one point that yeah. kind of goes crazy that it's like they had to do all that like they, those were real dogs you know that was mm. a real um, yeah. storm that they had to recreate like using effects it's yeah. like that that has to be applauded you have to and that's why it stands up i think because mm. it's like well you did it you made it whereas i think mm. with um anything cgi even five, ten years, you'll you'll notice because technology's changed and the way that yeah. they've done that is very different, but it's still in the same ballpark. But with this, it is just you've made it happen. Um, mm. I, I did find... <clears throat> I liked the film. I liked that there was a lot of heritage here in terms of horror filmmaking. Mm. I've, there were so many bits where I was like, oh, they've, they've referenced that in this film. They've referenced that in this yeah. film. So I like yeah. that. Obviously, this is kind of like a, an OG story. Yeah. I did feel that it, it was... On one hand, it was, it was taking itself quite seriously, uh, which I found hard because, like I said, with, with me and horror, I don't. I think if yeah. everyone's taking it really seriously, I get a bit 
bored if it doesn't feel yeah. that fun. I, I wouldn't say it was that fun of a film. No, no, it, um, it, it's with, very serious, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, with the conference earlier, that is perfectly my up my street. You know, it's it's yeah. funny, it's fun, but it's also got some scares and it's a yeah. bit terrifying. With this, it was just trying to be scary, but also playing very heavily into the religious side of things, which yeah. I just found okay, yeah, like that, that's that's fine. Um, that and also some of the some of the effects were a bit overbearing, like the the music and the lighting. Like you're watching, just going, okay, okay, all right, yeah, yeah calm it down, yeah, calm it down. But yeah. that is obviously you know, you're talking about a film made decades ago that it's the style yeah. has changed and yeah, yeah. Imagine seeing this in a cinema at the time, I bet mm. it was like, oh my god, like experience. Yeah. Whereas watching it on Disney Plus in 2023 is a bit like, okay, yeah, calm it down. <laughs> yeah, I um, yeah. But I do. I also I think a sign of a good film is if there is more films that you want to watch and I finished this and thought you know what I'm going to try and check out The Omen 2 like I feel like yeah. I want to know because it's it's the same character isn't it like, yeah it's the character on. developing isn't it yeah because if you sorry Chris come on I, well I was just thinking we probably should have put a spoiler in there but do we, do we need to put spoilers for films that are over 40 years old I oh I don't know what do you reckon uh nah uh. we'll get letters but I just delete them <laughs> delete the letters yeah yeah Okay, fair enough. By which yeah. I mean burn them. Yeah. yeah well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of go- is in keeping with with the horror theme, isn't it? Really. Yeah. It's a very practical way of getting rid of stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah it's very good. But yeah. So I think you're right. They um, the the music is a bit heavy handed. That was more about the style, the approach to filmmaking in the seventies. So that's one of the one of the sort. of triggers that that could date it you think oh well, that's definitely the 70s but you know I, I suppose i i could look upon that and say right that's that's what makes it what it is that it's it's the time capsule you know and it's it's great to see london because he was a diplomat wasn't he that got posted to london so it's it's great to see london in in the 70s so that does yeah. yeah i thought that too i thought it looked yeah. great and obviously they're out and about filming in real locations so yeah yeah no that was good um there's a lot to the omen that i enjoyed i just felt that there will definitely be a, a an audience of people who are used to these sort of uh possession style um mm. films yeah, like hereditary yeah. and the witch that they'll watch this and go oh okay like it does feel dated in some ways but i also do feel that as a precursor to a lot of those films and also some of the stuff um that edgar wright has done if you watch some of edgar wright's films oh absolutely yeah there's a bit in this where something falls off the roof of the church and it impales someone i was like that is literally from hot fuzz like they've Hotfuzz obviously reference that, and I yeah. think that a lot of these filmmakers uh, that are making modern horrors or modern films like that will have used this as a yeah. touch point, and yeah, yeah, I think that's good. It's the big daddy. It's a big so many. It's the big daddy of horror movies because you know they'll they'll look at that and they think right because there are only so many ways you can do something, and a, a visual trick, uh, a storyline has got to be done the first time. Right, it's done the first time. Then other filmmakers will refine it. They'll adapt it. They'll update it. And someone like Edgar Wright will will pay tribute. Will will name check those films if you look closely. And it's very subtle. You know, some directors are very good at it, and they'll they'll put a subtle nod in to a, a film that was made maybe forty or fifty years ago. You know, the likes of Scorsese and Coppola and Spielberg have made careers out out of drawing on classic movies from the 50s and 60s so you know everything is derivative you know you 
you really need to look hard to find the originals, the, the source of the films that we see today. But that's the that's the way of the world. That's how you do it. You know, and that's that. You know, we've got the fun part of it, haven't we? We got the, <laughs> we can watch and pick it all up. Um, and pick it all apart, which is what and pick do. it all apart as well, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the Omen, and as we said earlier, available on Disney Plus if you want to watch it. I believe the next one's on there, so that's where I'll be watching that. Yeah, um, yeah, I'll have to do that as well. See, I you know, when you kind of think, well, actually, I've started now, so I may as well. You might carry as well finish. On. Yeah, right, carry on. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> so. If you have any scary films that you want to let us know that you've watched yeah. and are great to send in your reviews, we'll happily yeah. play them on this show. Uh, but that is it for this quite bumper pack uh, episode. We've gone yeah. through a lot. Six indie films there, um, as well as the two cinema films, the streaming release, and a nostalgia pick. I mean, you get all this free in your ears. So, you What know, more could you ask for? What more really? could you ask for? Luxury. Luxury. Um, <laughs> next month will be our November episode going into December. So it may be we get a bit festive. We might get festive in the next Why episode. Why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a bit of a teaser there, Chris. You're, you're yeah. tormenting them, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So if it's you want to yeah, send us your uh, your recommendations for the best Christmas film, and maybe that will yeah. be our nostalgia pick. We also have a couple of films yeah. already submitted from indie filmmakers for that episode too. So this has been UK Film Club part of the UK Film Review podcast. Mm. I have been your host, Chris Olsen, and Brian Penn, as always, has been my my lovely assistant. I'll say lovely assistant, not just assistant. Thank, thank you very much. My lovely assistant. But he doesn't wear the costumes that I buy him. So. No, but no, no, I've got to draw a line somewhere, honestly. <laughs> really pleasure, pleasure as always. Pleasure as always. Thank you for joining us, and thank you if you have stuck all the way to the end. You are a real trooper. But that's it for now. Bye for now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.